Well, how about we worship and then dismiss, all right? I don't think there much else needs to be said after that. My goodness. You know, we're entering a season of miracles. We are. And we are going to profess them. I'm believing every single week because we need to be encouraged by one another and what God's doing with the person next to us at church. And we also need to be reminded of what God does. And we also need to tell the enemy what he does not have and what he cannot control. All right. And so that's why we are going to continue to hear miracles. So if you have one that you want to share, please let us know because there's more to come. There's more to come. This is our last uh, sermon on the Huddle Up series. And this has been a really good time. We started talking about growth a few weeks ago and how growth requires change. If you want to see change in your life, be it with the Lord or, or something else personal, we can't just be the same person. We have to change. And that, that relates to all sorts of things. We talked about the week after that repentance and reconciliation and the importance of walking in repentance and how that's not a time to feel guilt or shame or condemnation. It's, it, it sets us free. It's empowering that God, God you know, draws us close in those times of repentance and that we need to draw together. Last week, we talked about trusting the journey. And all of this has been setting the table for us to launch into whatever God has for us. And this is the last message on huddle up and it might seem elementary cliche uh whatever you want to call it the topic this morning but i believe it's something that we need to come back to that the church and i don't necessarily mean beaches chapel but the church as a whole has drifted away from and needs to come back to in a serious understanding of it Okay, and that is this, and I'm about to blow your mind here with this statement, and that is that God is holy. Okay, God is a holy God, being that he is set apart. And that's really what the whole Bible is about, is how God is set apart and holy in the Old Testament, and how because of that, he sends Jesus, and in the New Testament, though he is still set apart, we are set apart with him. But he is set apart. He is different. He is, another way to put that is, better. But you know, in the freedom that we have been given in Jesus to now be with him in this holiness, it's almost like we're abusing the freedom. And we're forgetting that we serve a righteous, awesome, powerful, holy God. A God that we need to walk in reverence to. A God that created the stars, that created everything around us, that is big and that is powerful. We need not look any further than out into the ocean to understand the power of our God. I'll never forget two years ago with Irma when it was coming through. We were over at Jesse's parents' house with the girls and didn't sleep a wink the entire night. And I remember thinking as I was you know, really planning, okay, when the first tree falls on the house, I'm just going to jump on the girls because that's all, that's all I got. You know, that was what was going through my head. I'm just going to try and cover them and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. And I remember in that moment, though, there was, there was like an, a, a terrifying awesomeness to the whole thing. You know, I mean, God's power was on display when this storm was coming through because I mean, we there was nothing we could do. And we, we, were, we were at, at its mercy. 
God is a powerful God and he is a holy God. And we need to treat him like that. Not that he is at our disposal, that he is a God that we use for our liking and then put him back on the shelf. But he is a holy God that deserves our praise, whether we feel like it or not, because he is holy and he is set apart. I want to set the stage of what we're going to talk about uh, out of Deuteronomy 4. This, this is just setting the stage for what we're going to talk about later. And this is Moses talking to the Israelites, reminding them of things that have happened. Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 35. It says, You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring into you their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Here it is, verse 39. Acknowledge and take heart. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. In four short verses, Moses says that twice. He says, there is no other. It is by his presence and by his strength that he drove his people out of Egypt. He gave them a land from nations that were more powerful than them. Because he chose to do so. Because he is a holy God. And that was his plan. That was his promise. And then I love what Moses says here in in verse 39. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge that God is holy. Acknowledge that he did this. Acknowledge that you praise a God that is set apart from everything else. Acknowledge it. Give testimonies. Praise him like he's set apart. Are we acknowledging in our lives every day that we serve a holy, righteous, powerful God? We need to start, not just in these meetings, but as soon as we walk out, because we have, listen, we have worship like we had this morning, and you can't help but get fired up. I mean, I'm, I'm jacked from worship this morning, if you can't tell. It was amazing. God moved. But we have to take that out there. There's six other days of the week that we have to live. And we can't let go of the holiness and the power of God as soon as we leave this building. We take it with us and we remember that God takes the land for us. He takes the land for us. And when we start to acknowledge that, when we walk in that, we can can take heart. We can be encouraged by that. We can get through the storms. We serve a holy God who sits on the throne in heaven. There is no one like him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He's holy. He's big. He's powerful. Are we acting like it? Sorry. 424 says, I love this. It says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's big. He is big. There is no problem that we ever will walk through that is going to be too big for him. There's no sin that we ever will commit that will be too big for him. He is a holy God set apart from the mess and the muck 
and the disaster that this world is. But he's in it with us. But we better believe that he is set apart. And we need to stop, stop trying to conform him to the cultures of our world. It's never going to work. It's never, it goes against the definition of who he is, which is holy. The second that we start trying to do that, we remove the holiness from him. We remove it from him and we try and make him be like our culture. Mark chapter one. This is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Mark chapter one, starting in verse 16. This is Jesus, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the very first chapter of the gospel of Mark. So right at the, right at the infancy of, of Jesus beginning his ministry. He says, as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to, be, to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Okay, so a few verses there that, you know, at, at first glance don't exactly scream God is holy. Right, but when we, when we look at this story, and we're going to continue on with this story this morning, but when we look at this very beginning, there's something that stands out to me that is rather odd. And it starts, it's in verse 17, when Jesus calls Simon and Andrew, he says, come follow me, and then he continues the sentence by saying this, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, let's be honest for a second. Do you think in a million years that Simon and Andrew had any idea what Jesus meant by this. Come on, I'm gonna make you fish for people. <clears throat> what? You mean like people are gonna be swimming and I'm gonna like, you know, hook them and bring them in? What does that mean? I don't understand. Think, remember, these are the disciples, this is the same disciples that at the Last Supper, when Jesus says, one of you is gonna betray me, and they say, who, what's gonna happen? He says, I'm gonna take this bread, listen closely. I'm gonna take this bread, I'm gonna dip it, and I'm gonna give it to the one that's gonna betray me. Everyone clear on that. I'm not speaking in code. Okay. So Jesus takes the bread, he dips it, and he gives it to Judas. And then he says, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. And it says they looked around and go, what does that mean? Is, because he's the treasurer, is he going to get more food? That was what they thought. He said he was going to give the bread to the guy that was going to betray him. And they're going, what? So do you really think in a million years that when he says, I'm going to make you fishers of people, they're like, oh, dad, it's cool. We're going to go with this guy. In three years, he's going to die on a cross, be resurrected. The Pentecost is going to happen. We're going to fill with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be the foundation of the church. There's going to be a whole new movement. That's why we're going. Do you think they had any idea? No, they had no idea what he was saying in that moment. No idea whatsoever. So that begs the question then, why? Why, 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 why would Andrew and Simon follow this guy that they did not know, who had no credentials, who was leaving them from all that they knew. They were trained to be fishermen. This was their growing up. This is what they were going to do. This was their present, and this was going to be their future. This was the family business. This is how they were going to sustain life. Yet, immediately, they leave all of that, and they follow him without understanding what in the world he is saying. So why? Why would they do that? This is why. 
Because when they were confronted with a holy God, they didn't care about explanation. They just wanted what he had. We have to stop being so concerned with defining everything that God does. We can't define the indefinable. All we need to do is bring people to him because holiness is attractive. Holiness is what it's all about. And when he stood in front of them, they saw holiness. And when he called them, he said, let's go. I don't know what it means, but I want it. I don't know what it means, but I want it. We have to start giving people credit and understanding that they can see holiness in front of them when it's there. When Jesus was there, he said, let's go. And they went because of holiness. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I love that. Immediately, with no delay, he calls them. When Jesus moves, when Jesus moves, he moves quick. Without delay, he said, you, let's go. So this morning, are we ready to break the huddle? Are we, are we ready to break the huddle and go do what God has called us to do? Are we ready to go find those p- people and say, come with me. I got a holy God for you to meet. I got something that is different than you've ever seen before, different than anything this world can offer. Better, set apart, and you can be a part of it too. Are we ready? And then just to let God speak for himself. God doesn't need us. He uses us to be his mouthpiece a lot. But he does not need us. And there are times when he goes beyond what we can say. And that's when we just have to throw up our hands and say, hey, he's a holy God. And this is it. This is it. Before we continue on in the story, I want to jump over to Colossians 1, 22, uh, 21 and 22 real quick and just read this to keep this in mind what, what we read going forward. And that is, again, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. It says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as, here it is, holy, flawless, and restored. So God is holy, and now he has made us a holy, which now means we are set apart. We are set apart from this world. So why, why, why do we continue to conform to the cultures of this world when we are set apart from it? There is holy God and there is everything else. But he has made us holy with him. So this God that we serve that sits on the throne in heaven, that created all this, hey, I made you holy too. This isn't just for me. I made you holy too. We We need to every day wrap our brain around that if we can. The magnitude of what that means. What does that mean? Well, interesting you should ask. Let's keep reading. Back to Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So this is, he's just called them, and this is immediately what they're doing. They were amazed at his teaching because he had, he had, he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. It says that the people that heard him were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority. 
Why did Jesus have authority? Because he knew the scripture incredibly well? Yes. Because he was a dynamic speaker? Yes. But he taught with authority because he was the authority. He was authority. He didn't know of it. He was it. So as he spoke, it came out of him. And what does it say? The people were amazed. They were amazed at what he said. They saw something. They said, look, these other teachers of the law, they teach one way, but this guy is different. He is set apart. He is holy. And because of his holiness, they were amazed. They were amazed because he had the authority. And if he is holy and he has made us holy, then guess who else has authority? We do. It goes back to what Pastor Howard was just saying with prayer. So we can go and speak to storms. We can go and speak to sickness and disease. We can go and speak to broken relationships. We can go and speak to uh, finances in any matter that you are facing because we have the authority. But we have to walk in it. We have to walk and pray in a way that we are praying to a God who is holy, who is set apart, not with our tail between our legs. Do you know how blessed we are? The God that we serve is not an idol on a shelf, but reigns and rules over every power and principality. He's a holy God. We see here Jesus... As, as we get to this point in Scripture, he's, we've seen the submitted Jesus that submitted to God in baptism. We've seen the Jesus that submitted to the Holy Spirit in the desert as he's fasting. But now there's been a shift, and he is now a, a, a God who has authority. And you see, the key to that is out of submission, authority flows. We don't just say, all right, I got it now. I'm good, God. Thanks. I heard the message. I have authority. I'm going to do this on my own. Authority comes from submission to him. I'm going to say that one more time. Authority comes from submission to him, bowing down to him, acknowledging that God is God and we are not. And sometimes that means letting go of some things, letting go of some ideals, just saying, God, you're God, and I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to submit to you, and out of that, the authority comes. Out of that, the freedom comes. Out of that, the power comes. But we have to be people that are submitting to a holy God because he is, in fact, a holy God. I'm beating this drum hard today, if you can't tell. Let's keep going. Verse 23, Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Here it is. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So now a demon is confronted with Jesus. So far in these few verses, we've had now disciples, people, and, and demons. All of them see holiness in Jesus. All of them. Their responses might be different, but they all see the holiness of God. Pretty incredible. And the first question that they ask is, have you come to destroy us? What do they recognize in Jesus? Authority. They recognize the authority of Jesus as soon as they see him, and they are afraid. They're afraid. 
if this is the reaction of the enemy, if this is the reaction of the demons to Jesus, why in the world would we ever try and water him down in our own lives? Why would we ever try and make God less to us and to other people around us if the demons, when they encounter him, recognize his authority? That's who we're fighting. We serve a holy God. We gotta be careful not to water him down. If the demons react this way, why in the world would we ever try and make him less? It makes no sense. And look, let me, let me just say this really quick. Like, I'm not talking about like kicking down someone's door and just going crazy in their house, having like a super soaker of, of anointing oil and just spraying it all over the house and me and this person that's uncontrolled, okay? I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about when we speak to our friends, when we speak to those around us, not being at all ashamed or intimidated of who God is in our life and everything that we know about him. Because he's holy. And when people see it, they know it. Whether they react a certain way or not, that's not our job to, to, to figure out. That's up to Jesus. Our job is to tell people and, and, and introduce them and expose them to a holy God. And then Jesus will take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest. He loves people a whole lot more than we do. Our job is to worship him and he will sort it out. But what we see here is that everyone that encounters him sees a holy God in front of him. Let's keep going. And, and as we do, um, yeah, if this, let's go ahead and have the band come on up now. Because I want to get back into worship. Verse 25. Jesus, when, 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 the, uh, when the demon says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus answers this. I love it. Be quiet. It says, said Jesus sternly. He didn't ask. He didn't whisper it. Sternly, he said, be quiet. Why? Because he's the one with authority. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek, which I love, by the way. It reminds me of when my wife sees a spider. She said last week, I didn't mention her name, so I did. I wanted to do that this week. The, the demon came out with a shriek. I'm not going to do a shriek, but you can imagine what that's like. To me, that, that word really shows the fear of the, that the demons have to Jesus, that he would come out in a shriek. Continuing on, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. And here is the huge kicker. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. We don't need to rack our brains and try and figure out some crazy way to get people to church. And how are we gonna, how are we gonna do a production on Sundays? How are we gonna say the right words and do all this stuff? The holiness of God speaks for itself. And as we worship him, as we exalt him, and as miracles start to happen, his name will spread quickly. His name will spread quickly. And so that is what we are committed to here at Beaches Chapel, is to honor, acknowledge, worship our God who is holy.
And we don't do it ashamed. We do it braggingly because he is set apart. He is different from everything this world has to offer. And praise God for that because nothing this world has to offer is any good. Not by the looks of it so far. Doesn't matter on what side of the line you stand on anything. God is set apart because he's holy and he has the authority. So we're gonna stand up right now and we are going to practice what we preach this morning. We are gonna worship our holy God. This is what David says in Psalms 29, closing in this, honor the Lord, you heavenly being, honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. He's holy. He's holy. Again, we're a praying church, and we want to pray for you this morning. If there's anything that you need prayer for, remember, this is it. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. We're never going to waste an opportunity. Because we serve a holy God who we believe does miracles. We heard it here this morning. We're going to continue to hear it every week. If you need prayer for anything this morning, whatever it might be, don't, don't value it as big or small. God is concerned with the little things and the big things in our life because he loves us that much. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray for you. So if we can have the pastors and the elders come up to the sides of the stage, they're going to be available. And as I close in prayer, just come on up and we're going to worship our holy God. Amen. Father, we thank you so much, Jesus, that we know you, that we know a holy God. And you are a God that does miracles. You are a God when the demons see you, they, they shake in fear and they acknowledge your authority. And Father, this morning, we acknowledge your authority. We acknowledge your holiness. God, there's times that we don't understand what you're calling us to, but that's not what it's about. It's about following the holy God that is set apart, that sits on the throne in heaven, that is mighty and strong and awesome. Forgive us, Lord, right now if we have ever shrunk you down to our size, if we have ever tried to make you like our culture to fit what we know and who we are, because you're different, you're better, you're righteous. And so we worship you right now. We exalt you in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, come on up.